If you're obsessed with a customer and obsessed with a customer experience, everything else will fall into place. You're, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be reviewing the entire organization, every single process, every action you take, you know, from the lens of the customer. It's a mindset that needs to be installed across the entire organization. We have the entire organization every single week on a call where they listen to customer service calls. So customers calling in, complaining, having questions, needing something. We have the entire organization dialed in. We're solving the problem for them versus just following an SOP. I love that. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today, I have for you Kai Oswald, who is the Chief Executive Officer and Board Member over at Technogym USA. Now, Technogym, if you're not familiar with it, is a very interesting company. It's a, the wellness company that is a world leader in designing and manufacturing fitness equipment. They have over 2,300 employees across 14 branches in Europe, America, Asia, Middle East, and Australia. Technogym exports 90% of its production to 100 countries. Every day, over 50, that's right, 50 million people train with Technogym equipment and more than 80,000 wellness centers and 300,000 homes across the world. I mean, talking about conquering the world with wellness. Technogym has also been the official supplier at the last eight editions of the Olympic Games from Sydney in 2000 to Tokyo in 2020. Its dedication and state-of-the-art solutions are used by many top-level athletes and sports teams from tennis star Rafa Nadal to Ferrari Formula One. Kai, back to him, is also a board member at 811 and co-founder of many startups across the U.S. and Asia. He's also held leadership positions most recently at Smile Direct Club, KitchenAid, and Phillips Consumer Lifestyle. Kai, welcome to Lead the Team. Thanks, Ben, for having me. Man, I'm so excited about this. We have not had any CEO on from the world of, of this wellness equipment, and it's just a pleasure to have you on and dive into it. So thanks for, thanks for joining us today. Now, you talk about the importance of curiosity, openness to innovation, and being passionate. Probably hard a lot of times to find this in the same person or the same team. What's your leadership perspective on this? Yeah. Well, to, to me, it really goes back to, to the big five personality traits, right? And openness to experience is, I think, one of the, the, the most remarkable ones there. It, to me, it's it's all about being curious, having team members that are really open to new experiences, willing to learn, and that um, really ask questions um, to, to seek answers, explore new ideas. It's something that that's worked out extremely well throughout my career. In, in life, I should say, and it's something that I also found with most team members and and mm. years I've had that were successful in their careers uh, to be one of their the the, the most outstanding uh, qualities and, and traits that they have. So you've been at this it's like you've been building teams for a long time across multiple companies. Yeah, curiosity is important to you as a leader. Is this something that you're looking in when you're looking to hire leaders? Yeah. And if so, how 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 are you, if so how do you, how can you tell? 
Well, I mean, it's it's always hard in a in a one hour interview to uh, to really <laughs> yeah. drill down drill down deep. What I'm a big fan of when when hiring, especially leaders, is um, is setting up interview panels where we really clearly define different roles across the interviews with different um, areas or traits that uh, that we have uh, the the interview panel tests for, and then do a calibration at the end where we essentially. Um, Number one, have everybody, you know, get their thumbs up or thumb down at the same time, because otherwise it's, you know, you can see people changing their opinion quickly, depending on, on what the <laughs> highest rank Okay. Is. You want an honest opinion, even if they're not the top ranked person in the room. Exactly. Yeah. So every everybody get their thumbs up or down. And then, you know, ideally always have it um avocados diaboli in the uh, in the in the calibration and ask questions, you know, really as we as we go through this, but curiosity and and ex, you know real life examples of of where um, leaders have shown curiosity, taking risks, I think is another big one. Um, um, uh, really sticks out for me and is, is extremely important. So taking risk can cut both ways. Yeah, uh, and if you're so, how do you how do you manage that in terms of okay, I'm the CEO or I'm on, I'm a board member. Yeah. I need to hire someone. I'm looking for someone that takes risk. Yeah. Uh, but what are you, how are you thinking through? I want someone that's going to take enough risk to, you know, help us get into a new market, help us grow, but also we don't want them to tear down the, tear down the building. Yeah. The risk. yeah. Well, to, to me, it's really about, um, it's, it's about how versatile and, 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 you know, um, multifaceted a talent is right so for me personally i've taken some some risk that in, in in hindsight i probably shouldn't have i was lucky that they always worked out there there were some professional ones where i jumped into opportunities because i was entirely convinced that they would be the right thing and and uh and um you know that there were situations where i i you know signed contracts without having the, the, the right work visas and you know having to wing it for, for a couple of months, not knowing if, if, you know, visas mm. could be issued or not. Uh, but I was just so excited and passionate about the, the opportunity that, that I, you know, um, straight went for it. Um, not suggesting that for, for everybody, but um, what, one aspect I'm looking at, for instance, when, when, um, you know, interviewing talent or looking at talent is what do they do outside their, their, their job, right? Like, do they, mm. do they have, you know, side hustles going on? Do they have other areas that they're interested in, that they're investing in, that they're, you know, like always, I'm, are, you know, always interested in the 360 of the, um, of, of our leadership uh, team or, or people I'm looking to hire or even levels down to see um, how, how far um, do they, you know, how far do they push the envelope personally, professionally? Um, are they interested in adjacent areas to, to their core competencies? You know, are they really branching out into completely different areas? Mm. Again, goes back to the idea of curiosity, but also putting in the time, energy, and money at times to to uh, uh, to take a risk and and uh, and and you know, really then the grit afterwards to making it work. So it's interesting. You said you're looking for side hustles. So yeah. Whenever you're doing your interviewing, some a lot of leaders might be listening. They're like, look, I don't want my team to have any side hustles. Is this going to distract them from doing the job that they're being hired to do? Yeah. Uh, what is your take on that perspective? I think it's important that people have have a life outside of work, and uh, for 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 some, it's you know family and kids and going to 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 soccer games. For others, it's you know starting or running their own business. For others, it's it's nonprofit. So when I say side hustle, I really mean you know stuff they do outside of work. 
uh, that they're passionate about. And and in my case, for instance, I, I don't have any kids. So, you know, I've always been very focused on on doing, you know, starting running businesses on the side, you know, that that just is, is a balance for me and, and uh, keeps me uh, keeps me excited or investing into into businesses or industries that I, I don't know too much about, but I want to learn about. And then very often yeah. parallels to um to my daytime job and I'm able to to integrate these things and, and bring them together. Yeah, I, so, you know, a really cool insight for listeners today, I think. When you're interviewing and you're looking for curiosity, and that's something, that personal growth journey that you're looking for from your constant learner, dynamic learners that you're looking for, the people you're hiring, yeah. start there. What are you doing outside of work? Of course, you're learning about the stuff at work. I think it's probably hard to test curiosity from that standpoint, but you start to look around the edges and see in their free time what they're doing. Exactly. Could be a, yeah. could be a great, great clue. Uh, yeah. So what was your first job and how did it influence your leadership today? Yeah. So um, I would say, I would say my second job was probably most influential um, to, to, to my leadership style today or my overall professional development. My, my first job was, was great. I was with uh, Phillips back then. Um, the, I got lucky that uh, Phillips was paying for my college tuition. I was there working there during uh in between semesters was leading um, a category management project, which in the early 2000s was a big topic in the electronics uh, and, and, and retail world. And um, after uh, after I was done with, uh, wrote my, my thesis on, on on the project and then started, uh, they created a role for me for in, in this space. Uh, it was amazing. We were uh, running global out to, to Seattle, won a global competition with, with Philips. So, you know, and I was 23, 24 at the time. So I thought, you know, next stop, you know, GM and, and, you know, the sky's the limit. Get the corporate uh, jet ready for this 23 year old. Exactly. Right. Um, it was, it was a little, um, it, I really it was pulled down to earth quickly when, uh, when, when I was approached after and said, listen, next, next stop, uh, sales rep in uh, rural Bavaria. Um, so Wait, rural Bavaria. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, in the in the country, in the country. Yeah, I lived in Munich, but um, um, uh, at the time, that's pretty cool down there. But then, and uh, I must say, as much as I hated it for the first uh, two weeks, um, this is by far been the, the most influential, most fun job I've mm-hmm. I've, I've ever had. Uh, reason was that it was it, it really taught me so many things on on so many different levels. Um, I think first and foremost. You know, I was I was straight out of college. You know, was was doing all these executive presentations, meetings, and everything. And now all of a sudden, I was in 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 a small town ele- electrical retailer with like two employees uh, that that barely finished high school, and you know needed to to sell you know Philips uh, Philips products and and you know convince them of the uh, you know of, of uh, Philips being the right brand for them in different categories. And the big thing I learned there actually from my manager at the time was that it's not a, all about intellectual horsepower. Uh, but you also got to be able to um, connect with with people um, on a um, on an emotional level and and really create this followership, not just with facts, but also speak to their hearts and and their you know not just their minds. So really get that one sorted. Took me a couple of weeks and and, and you know with some a few months, but um, that that was a, a massive learning for me. So don't just try to muscle through um, with with facts and data and and win the battle that way, but also make sure you, you look for for the soft uh, soft aspects and facts. yeah, Kai. I'm so glad you told that story because that really resonates with me and I suspect the other leaders too. If you've been at sales for a long, a long time, you know that you can throw numbers, facts, and figures and rational thought at someone and it doesn't make them buy. It may it probably just validates the decision that they're already going to make. And I know there's some science out there that I've read that says that the sales decision to buy 
takes part in the limbic part of the brain, which doesn't respond to rational thought or numbers. So yeah. that, that emotional side, which is something hard for a younger person to probably get unless they've been thrown into sales early on. Yeah. So it's probably shaped your career in some really interesting ways, I suspect. Big, big way, yeah. I think, I think the, the other big one, and, and that's also very sales specific, and I think especially when you're in a remote uh, sales rep role is, is you have to be a, a self-starter. Like, and, and I think it doesn't teach you to be a self-starter, but if, if it, it catalyzes it and, and re-emphasizes the, the um, uh, um, re-emphasizes the, the importance of being a self-starter and getting, uh, getting going. You're, you're, you know, you wake up every morning, um, you know, you look at your computer, look at the sales numbers, you see exactly what, um, what you did the mm. day before, how that translated into numbers. It helps you being more competitive also, right? Puts the fun into being competitive because you're one of, of many sales reps and you see how you're doing doing versus uh, versus others. So for me, this was really a great learning experience in in, in self-motivating, getting up every morning, chasing the number and uh, and wanting to, to be on top of that list. Love it. I mean, sales and self-starting sounds like a great fit for t- being CEO of a wellness company, right? Yeah. You got to yep. start yourself up to work out in the morning. You know, I got a question. So do you feel a, a, an increased burden to work out all the time having run, running a uh, wellness company? So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that I was, was very passionate about health and fitness and wellness overall before. Um, so okay. this really, this was really a perfect match for me. Now, now having the best equipment and the best technology and digital ecosystem uh, to support it. Um, I, I got really lucky with this one. Yeah. You, now you have, you have no excuse not to work out when Roth and the doll or formula one drivers are using your workout equipment. Exactly. What what advice would you give your younger self today or something else that you would have told yourself to try? Yeah, I think, um, honestly it's, it's embrace failure. So don't, don't be afraid of failure. Um, I'm from Germany originally, you know, I would say historically a country where um, failure isn't really an option or is more looked down upon. Um, it's, you know, you really try to over-engineer something before you take it to market and then you don't want to fail. Um, the I perfect appreciate- engineering, yes. Yeah. Um, BMW, Mercedes, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, lots of high-engineered products. Yeah, yeah. At, at least at least the the old Mercedes and BMWs, I think they've, they've um, threatened me. That's a whole nother conversation. But Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really, and I really appreciate that, you know, in, in the States, really this idea of, of you know, pass, fail forward, something they also taught us in, in, in Sanford, you know, when we did a class there, and it's it's really this idea of, of, you know, pivot quickly, right? Design thinking, come up with with solutions and, and ideas, test them quickly, you know, pivot, and it's, it's okay to fail. If something doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, just, you know, just don't get stuck on it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, had take the learnings, apply them to the next project um, that you're you're running, and then um, you know move on. I think that's that's one. Um, the other one is um, really prioritize self care and, and mental health. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think for for uh, you know mo- most go getters, you know your twenties and thirties are all about the hustle. You know, you, you work day and night. You really want to get to the top. You work hard. Um, don't forget to sleep. Don't forget to 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 eat right. You know, like uh, you know, meditate if that's your thing. It's it's going to catch up with you later in life. Um, I was um, I was I think I'm I'm lucky that I always you know loved working out. You know, loved the outdoors. So I was you know I always tried to maintain a balance. But I've I've seen many other uh, people that that really burned up. You know, just because of the the amount of time they put into work without looking after themselves during uh, during those years. Okay, 
Um, so I've got a I I gotta ask you some some, some these questions on uh, working out. Yeah. Favorite workout. So I um I love cardio. I love I love uh running on a on a treadmill specifically. Um just because there is um and mm. now I gotta drop this in here, but if, if you look at some of the, the techno gym treadmills, you know, there are so many great programs on their routines. Um, you know, specific workout programs that are really versatile that that aren't just cardio, but you can go into strength, you co- can go into into you know speed mm-hmm. agility. So it never gets boring. So if if I had to choose one workout machine, it'd be our our you know the Technogym Skill Mill with all the programs in there, and then you can do everything from cardio to strength to to uh, to to everything that you're you're looking for. Okay, so I'm not a big. I love working out. I am not a big treadmiller. Um, but I have gotten into it a little bit. And one thing I like about it is I am not a fan of just like running relentlessly straight in it, but I appreciate when there's like a program and it increases the incline, um, you know, and it, 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 it varies it up. Yeah. Um, is that what you're talking about? It's, uh, it's bad, but it's, there are programs where you do lunges on the treadmill, right? Like where you do no. also. Um, exactly. Also, okay. so to, to me, it's the most versatile one. Um, I think overall strength training, obviously, as you especially as you get older, is 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 extremely important. But uh, for for now, I'm still sticking to to my treadmill when I have to choose and can only pick one. That want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. What has surprised you the most on the fitness side, stepping into this role as CEO in terms of like what you discover from the people, the workouts, the machines? I mean, what? Yeah, I, I would say the, the the quality differences between equipment. Um, um, I was really, you know, to, to me initially a treadmill was a treadmill, but having tested so many different ones now, you, you can really tell that the difference, um, that is obviously reflected in price, but it's, you know, the, the quality, mm-hmm. the craftsmanship, the, the digital ecosystem, um, I have no idea how interconnected, um, you know, your workout experience can, can be and, and really how, okay. uh, how it also can help you as a personal coach almost really to, to, you know, gamify, but also then, mm-hmm on your toes um and make it competitive with 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 others and that was really the biggest learning for me and i'm asking you to pull your crystal ball out but how was a treadmill going to be different 10 years from now or maybe say five years from now how, how's it gonna how's it gonna be different than it's today? i think i think it's it's all gonna be about personalization right the <laughs> so it's not necessarily the the, the treadmill, you know, maybe your your screens will be bigger and maybe it's it's a, you know, VR kind of environment around you. Um, but I think it's it's around the personalized experience when you use mm-hmm. the, uh, the the product and, and really having yeah. this, this almost concierge like uh, engagement with your equipment. Um, I think that's that's going to be the big, uh, big difference. So, you know, the, the almost like the equipment almost just becomes the enabler, but it's the tech and the digital ecosystem around it that will really make mm-hmm. the Got it. So I'm really seeing. So when I saw your Phillips background, and I saw, um, you know, KitchenAid, and I started thinking about a little bit about technology. But now I'm seeing how it bridges probably so well 
into the fitness space because you're describing a much more integrated experience. Like yeah. KitchenAid's probably heavily tied into smart homes. And it's prop that's probably not something that's been part of the fitness industry in the past. But I, I suspect that's been a topic of conversation. Uh, exactly. smart homes and fitness. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would say again, di- digital ecosystem over the digital ecosystem overall yeah. and, and also how you're mm-hmm. How different systems and softwares and and devices integrate um, into that ecosystem, right? So, do, do you have a closed off system, or or do you allow other devices really to connect with with your app? You know, with mm. your with your techno gym equipment, for instance. I think that's that's really the the biggest one. And quite frankly, I think we're 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 at the forefront of this. Um, you know, both um, from from an industry standpoint, but um, especially here with uh, with techno gym. Yeah. Which I would expect working with so many professional athletes in the Olympics. I mean, these are some pretty high demanding workouts that we're talking about yeah. and customized. Uh, do you, last question on this, mm-hmm. prob- probably, uh, do you run with oxygen mask to, for a sort of a hyperbaric type condition? Yeah, I, I usually to- do, I only do it to, to test my VO2 max. Once okay. a year or so, but uh, normally just, uh, I, I don't know. Not from a training standpoint. Do you envision that world coming where people, you know, they're not in Colorado training. They want to train like they're in Colorado Yeah. In, while they're in New York. Do you see that that, maybe it's already happening? I, I think it's, it really depends on what, what your goals are, right? I think the what, what you're describing is is probably going to be limited to 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 very few you know that, that are really very serious about uh this not from fitness, <laughs> so much but pain from you would experience standpoint, yes. you know? but i think there is so much other you know the, the, the products are so versatile and the, the trainings the workouts you know you can get out of them are so versatile that you can uh you can really achieve the same effect you know um with with you know different settings different programs um you know mentioned hill earlier you know like 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 also, you know, we have a sled program where you really have to push the, uh, you know, the 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 yes. the, um, the the the, the belt. So it's it's you know those are incredible. So much, so much, so many options really to do this. Yeah, the biggest pain I would say I have right now is our hotel gyms. Yes. Um, can you please solve that problem because it's it's an issue. What so typically you you know you go to a a chain hotel gym. And you're massively disappointed. I don't know about you. They they probably have a treadmill. It's not a techno gym treadmill. Yeah, it, or it's, it's broken, it's, or it's greasy, or you know, it's yeah. terrible. And they just have some dumbbells sitting over there. And people say, "Well, Ben, you can figure out your workout with that." But I'm like, if you're on the road a lot, it's a very uninspired experience. Yeah. And um, I think techno gym is probably on the higher end of the spectrum. But are you guys looking at? The hotel thing, or if you were to wave your magic wand, how would you solve that hotel gym issue? Well, I, I think we're we're, we're really um, we're tackling it from from two ends right now. One is obviously to you know to to get into the right gyms that that are also um, you know reflective of the brand and and and, and our our customers and, and consumers. Um, I think the other piece is what you're describing. That I've been facing this many times is um, um, you, you get into a gym, they have old equipment, or maybe just you know just some weights. You know, equipment's broken. The great thing again, it's it's all in your hands, right? It's your mm-hmm. it's the Techno Gym app. Um, you can configure it. You say, hey, you know, I only have you know dumbbells and uh, and uh, I don't know like a some some barbells available right now, and then it configures a workout for you that fits your routine. 
even with the equipment that is available there. So that's that's a oh. great help. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and um, and you know, we we even have some some travel kits um, that that you can take with you know for workouts in your room, which is obviously suboptimal. But th- there are solutions for for it, and and we're really trying to tackle it from from both ends, so from the consumer well, side and the hotel side. That's great because ex- people on this podcast, trust me, they're all facing this, and it's great that y'all are you know, y'all are y'all are thinking through that. Sort of yeah. dialing dialing back the conversation a little bit. What's uh, what's one trait you wish you could instill in every employee, and why you think it's important? Um, I think it's it's uh, customer obsession. Like that's the uh, th- that's the by far the, the biggest trait to me is if if you're obsessed with a customer and obsessed with a customer experience, everything else will fall into place. You're, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be reviewing the entire organization, every single process, every action you take. You know, from the lens of the customer, and it's it's not just about providing good customer service. It's it's you know putting the customer first in all aspects. You know, from starting from product development to marketing to sales to after sales, and it it's it's not just to, to me. It's it's not it's a mindset that needs to be instilled across the entire organization, not just in in specific functions, right? And and it's something um, we're trying to do on a daily basis, really, with you know early product tests, with you know having our feelers out in the market. You know what some of the feedbacks uh, you know are we're receiving from customers. Uh, we, we set up something here um, with TechnoGym USA now that I that I took from my previous employer, where we have the entire organization every single week on a call where they listen to customer service calls. So customers calling in, complaining, having questions, needing something. We have the entire organization dialed in. And listening to those um, um, service questions, complaints, how we're handling them, you know, what can we do better in, mm. in really speaking the language of the customers, solving the problem for them versus just following an SOP. Um, so this this is by far to me the uh, the, the number one topic that that. So I I love that. Thinking back over the times you've done that, what's the most memorable customer service call that you've that you've shared? Um, I mean, th- th- there were so many like not only with technology, but also from previous lives, but it's, it's, you know, um, I remember, um, in, again, in the previous life, you know, you, you had customers that, that would, that would, you know, start crying on the phone because they were so happy about the service we were able to provide them and help them with, you know, with, with their problems, you know, yeah. especially when it comes to, to, to aesthetics. Um, you know, I re- recall a few, you know, conversations we've had here also where, where we had customers, you know, saying how great it is that we have a customer service team on site, you know, locally that can help with with problems and and fix it. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, you know, um, when people call into customer service, mostly most of the time they have a problem or, or something they need to vent about or need a problem solved, and and it's really on us to to really, you know, from a continuous improvement standpoint, understand what these problems are, learn from them, and then really start creating processes and SOPs that we can roll out across the organization that not only help customer service, but maybe also prevent some of the problems upstream uh, before they, before they start happening. What's one that maybe was going, going badly, like, oh my gosh, this thing could be really bad. And then miraculously or through whatever getting involved turned out pretty well at the end. Um, I, I think it's it, it always goes back to most of the time to to the, the the service rep we also have on the phone and and how much they can connect on an emotional level also with the with the customers and it's mm. it's always a difference when you have B two B customers it's it's more transactional it's more hey let's fix the problem when you have end consumers it's always there's always a very emotional component to it 
And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you know, the equipment didn't get set up properly or, you know, the, 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 uh, the installers, you know, scratch the, the, the wall or the, the, the floor and, you know, the, yeah. falling the this is equipment so, and houses aren't always built to have exactly. a bunch of, uh, gym equipment delivered to it. Yeah. I can see. Exactly. And so, yeah. Yeah. Probably get some. It's, it's, it's oftentimes when you have problems like that, that, you know, that we, that we empower also our team members to find solutions quickly for the, for the customer right then and there, where they didn't expect it to be solved, um, you know, um, at that moment, but we, you know, we, we enabled the team members to, to really provide a solution and, and, and they come out happily after. What's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? Um, I would say um, you, you could probably argue that I have unexpected twists and, and failures on a on a weekly basis um, in uh, in my career. Um, again, it goes back to this whole idea of, of failing fast, failing forward. So, so something always happened that that I you know wasn't planning for or you know thought would would shape out differently. Um, I would say there were two big two big learnings for me early on. One was, I would say, on the corporate side, um, when I was you know a lot younger, I was always you know surprised how little or how few. You know, senior managers or director uh, directors that were over the age of fifty, and you know, always mm-hmm. saw a lot of them. You know, um, you know, they they hit fifty or in their early fifties. Then at some point, you know, there's there's a younger version, you know, lower cost version, um, you know, somebody more you know willing to work longer hours and whatnot, um, and and they're 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 getting the boot. Um, so for me, this this was a big learning thing. Number one. Huh. It was you know always try to proactively understand what direction the organization is going and and how I can learn and grow and and you know like outpace the the, mm-hmm. the level of change within an organization. Um, the other one goes back to the conversation we had earlier. Was always you know set up you know be be smart about investing money, save early, you know start up side businesses. And and for me the goal was always to be financially independent from a job, you know, from any sort of job income by, by, by the time I hit 40 and, uh, you know, be, be smart about it. Right. Because many people that they get their raises and they start spending more than they're making and, and their, their personal cost structure is just catastrophic. And, uh, and then when they get hit because they think it's always going to go forward and upward, then, uh, th- then it really throws them into, into a hole. So th- that was one, I would say, um, the other one, yeah. professional- uh, uh, before you go on to that, I want to say, I want to, really highlight that. I think that's an excellent thing for people to be keeping in mind. Uh, it reminds me of an interview. I don't know if you have Seth Goldman who founded Honesty. Yeah. He came on the show and talked about preserving your optionality. Yes. And you're talking about preserving your choices. And it's a lot of it starts with your financial piece that you're talking about. Yeah. If you're getting a raise, you're moving to a higher level and your cost structure moves with it, you're going to be locked in. Yeah. And that can work out just fine, but your point, and, and I, I, and I experienced this when I was in corporate, the more I became more financially independent of the job, it changed my attitude. I felt like I could take more risk at work and a risk might be standing up in a, in a meeting and articulating a viewpoint that is different than everybody else, because I don't have that fear of just holding on and yeah. it out of this role, because maybe if, if I feel like something really needs to happen or I see something and, and what ends up happening for most people is you might get promoted faster, especially if you work for Kai, because he's looking for that curiosity for that boldness. And a lot of it comes from, I think financial, you know, having that 
own, having created your own financial security. Uh, what's your take on that? I 100% agreed. And, and I would even go a step further. It also shows you um, it also shows you when you're not working in the right organization that doesn't value that, right? Like to, to me, it's always the, it, it, exactly to your point, it goes back to to when you have meetings, what, when you when you know what's right for the business and you know that many others know what's right for the business, um, you, you can almost you can almost measure who's burdened by you know too you know too many mortgages, too many kids in college, and and too expensive cars uh, by the way they behave in these meetings and whether they really voice what they believe is is right for the business or you know what we're just covering their asses and mm-hmm. uh, and that to me that's well that's, stated, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's let's go on to your second one. I love. Because we love, love unexpected twists and failures and how people grow from them on the show. So, it so is I, would, I would I would say a, um, a failure, which came with a great learning for me afterwards, but um, was to, to really understand, you know, what, especially when you're in a corporate setup, understand the business unit uh, and the function you're going in, what the what the overarching strategy of the organization is and what role that function and business unit plays within um, within that uh, within that business. Um, it, it was in early on learning for me to had a, uh, got a big, uh, big sales role um, in uh, in a prior life back in Europe. Um, the you know great marginality, you know high, high, uh, high gross margin, lower revenue than other parts of the business. And uh, what I underestimated was the that the that the leadership at the time, you know, came from those other parts of the business that had you know big top line, very very small or negative uh, bottom line. But they were very focused on revenue, not on margin and, and profitable growth. Um, so when I came in and I tried to shake things up and and you know uh, great opportunities for us to grow, but you know, obviously requiring some some investments also, um, it, it felt like I was fighting against windmills um, mm. to, to the point where I was uh, told that that they would appreciate you know just maintaining the status quo and don't want too much change and too much noise coming from from that business. Um, which then back to the conversation earlier um, was, you know, for me then the, you know, the, the red flag that, that, you know, made me leave the, uh, the, the company altogether because that's, that's not what I wanted. But uh, I stayed mm. in that for about three years, still great learnings and great experience, but um, it, it was a, it was a um, dead end from a career standpoint. And I, I could have known or seen that earlier had I, had I gone into that with more, more open eyes. Yeah. I'm just making a note here. It's like you can tell if something's a great opportunity sometimes by looking at the balance sheet. Yeah. Even if you're not an investor, right? Or you're, you know, you're you're a leader. Here's the bottom line. Here's the report ultimate report card. Does my preference for how I lead and what I like to do is it a good fit? And for some people, they might say, "Hey man, here's a status quo organization. You know, I can get in here and we can have a feel good story and we'll just grow it you know, 3% a year and everybody will be tickled pink. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's not how you roll. Nah, that, yeah. Not, not anymore. Again, like, like lessons learned early on. Yeah. And, uh, that's and, great. And adapted, but yeah. Yeah. Some great self-awareness there. Well, Kai, this has been such a fun episode. I could talk leadership and I could talk fitness equipment with you for a very long time, but we've got a, got a part ways here, but before we do, what's your parting thought for our listeners today? Um, first of all, I love these uh, these kind of podcasts. Really, thank you, Ben, for for doing this. I think this is really a great way to to sharing and 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 spreading knowledge and and you know wisdom of the masses. So really, really appreciate that. Um, the, the big one for me is is um, 
everything that has to do with leadership, it's all about communication. Communicate, communicate, communicate with your teams. Don't drag your feet on decisions. When you know what's what's the right thing to do, uh, go ahead and do it. Um, and make sure that the people around you enjoy working with you, you know, create a fun culture, you know, appreciate people. Um, you know, there's there's life outside of work and uh and and people will will see you, you know, holistically, not just as a leader that you are. Um, and that's that's about it. Thanks, Kai. Thank you. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of The Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.